Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement, because we are going down with these ships. I said click. Yeah, you said click like three seconds after. Oh man. Okay, so that started, which is maybe I actually said it at the right time, but because of the delay, it read like Zoom is registering it. Yeah, who knows? That's that's what I'm going to. It has nothing to do with my brain being a sieve, or you know, me generally being incompetent. Woo, buddy! Um, Oh my gosh! Oh wow! I, I just, I feel like this should be our actual introduction to the episode. Welcome back, (laughs) listeners, to (laughs) Care of Magical Shippers. You've caught us, as you always do, on a day. (laughs) Um, I, however, am delighted to be Nathan. I'm, I'm still Nathan. Yeah, Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good being Megs. That's. This is what I think we it's know. Pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it's pretty good that we we like being us. If we didn't, and we'd been doing our podcast for over a year, may have been a, a little bit of a problem. Tiny, yeah. teensy bit problematic. Just a um, little bit. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I am excited today. Why am I excited? You like I'm hearing you scream at the at your device, whatever you're listening on. But Nathan, you always say you're excited about everything, and I do. <laughs> but I'm excited for a different reason this week, and it's because we happen to be doing a ship that we said we were going to do a while ago, and then yes. we pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back, and now we're finally getting a chance to yes. dust it off. And give it a whirl. I know, because when you brought it up, I was like, wait, that was on that was on our list forever ago. And then we put it, we literally have this spreadsheet, right? Of like everything that we've done, yeah. things we're planning on. Um, and then we have a graveyard. Like literally. <laughs> it's like Morbid. X1, X2. X- yeah. <laughs> Abandoned <laughs> ships. Lost to the sands of time. (laughs) Oh man, like in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Oh, Um, but it's going to be super fun. Yeah. So we. (laughs) Sorry. So this week we're going to be doing Arthur Weasley and Molly Pruitt Weasley. So this is going to be really 
fun because of course we get to explore them hopefully you know when they're younger and maybe when they they got together as well as their married life and all the kids and all yeah. of that stuff and so this should be really it'll be fun i mean we don't we don't know what's gonna happen we never know what's gonna we, happen yeah do we ever <laughs> this is the thing yeah. to uh, probably to our guests we might exude a, vin- a thin veneer of confidence but yes. but <laughs> let me just tell you that <laughs> i I'm always and forever flying by the seat of my pants doing this, mm-hmm. and that will never change. I feel, as I was, I was saying to Meg earlier, I feel like this is part of our brand now. It's what you expect as a listener, and I never intend for that degree of qu- of quality to decline over time. Oh, I thought you were like... <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a dig on our quality. <laughs> What? I I don't. Never. I was I was anticipating you being like I never expect our quality to improve. <laughs> what? <laughs> How very dare you! I love I this pod. I love what I know, we do. It's great. I'm enormously proud of the high standards that we mm-hmm. will never reach. <laughs> Embrace the chaos, and yes. I get to do it with you. And what, yeah. what what better way is there to do it? Really, when you're doing a podcast, you want somebody to match your energy. And let's be mm-hmm. honest, my energy is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm really glad to be diving into this. I'm never normally as excited about the headships because mm-hmm. like, there's there's so much good slash out there and canon. <laughs> Like and, Canon 2 is another one that, you know. Well, yeah. Um, there is a, a sort of a precedent on this pod that whenever we talk about Canon pairings, we're like, mm, well, uh, they've sort of been explored in Canon, so there's not really right. very much more to say. But the caveat with this is because, you know, we're always seeing things from the perspective of the kids, um, you mm-hmm. don't really see molly unless it's in a you know a really mothering um nurturing role and you Mm -hmm. don't see arthur unless it's to do with something at the ministry and even then you only get flashes and he's he's always exhausted from coming in from you know a full day's work or whatever it happens to be there's always Mm -hmm. an exploding toilet in bethnal green that he needs to go (laughs) deal with so um it'll be nice to talk about them as fully rounded characters and explore the relationship a little more and I hear you saying, but you've talked about Arthur Weasley on your Arthur slash Lucius episode. And we did. We have we actually have two of those. But I am really excited to talk about Molly in depth for the first time Mm -hmm. and Arthur and how they work together. So I don't know, did you want to start off or do we just generally... (laughs) Like ambling so, together. Yeah. So like kind of what you were saying as far as like is in the book series, like we only get really Harry's like headspace. And for the most part, like the characters are still lovable. Like we still love Molly for who she is. We still love Arthur for who she is. But they're definitely written in a way that's very like, okay, Molly is overly motherly and overly protective and a little bit naggy. So it's like kind mm-hmm. of can be a stereotypical mother hen if you, you know, if you think about yeah. it. And then there's Arthur who 
there's lots of headcanons out there of why he is this way and behaves this way but he's a little like kind of he's goofy silly a bit airheaded and like it you know it's like loves muggle things but still doesn't entirely understand it you know you think he'd be an expert but he's not really like he's just yeah. into it but he's not really learning anything which seems so so they're just they're just they can there's obviously more to them that we don't see we just see him as the goofy dad and then the you know kind of like helicopter mom sort of you know situation so getting into them as more than just those you know roles is i think is really great because i do love i love arthur and i love molly and the potential of who they were because they were um what was it oh i'm trying to what crap oh no they weren't because <laughs> i'm sorry i'm like going through i'm going through canon words in my head because what was it when sirius was like when they were in the order meeting harry wanted to know more and Molly was like obviously trying to push for him not to learn anything and yeah. Sirius says like you weren't here last time so even though they're 10 like I think it's like 10 years older than the Marauders they're um because of what was it Arthur was born in 50 and like Snape and um the and Sirius and James were 60 59 so yeah. there was that you know there's that gap there which was kind of like oh what were like what were they doing I guess probably more focused on younger kids and dealing with their kids and stuff and now that most you know it's, right. it's just different now or for whatever reason but at first I was like oh I wonder what it was like for them in the order but I'm like oh technically they weren't not to say that we couldn't make that a thing like it's like you know that they couldn't have been part of the order back then but but yeah they weren't well fabian and fabian and gideon pruitt her brothers were weren't they i don't may, maybe family i'll have to look up the i um... feel i feel like they were um in the photograph so if unless this is some very clever movie doctoring but i i think yeah i don't know because in the so because in the book in the chapter um uh, Molly is busy celebrating uh, Ron becoming a prefect and it's Moody that right. shows Harry the order photo and he right. um, he's talking them through um, Marlene McKinnon who died and then I think he mentions Fabian and Gideon Pruitt but I'm going to do a quick Google while we sort of um, just talk amongst yourself listeners yes <laughs> talk amongst <laughs> um, <laughs> Who was <laughs> in the original Order of the Phoenix? Okay, here we go. Uh, original Order of the Phoenix. There's me, as in Moody. There's Dumbledore, Daedalus Diggle. That's Marlene McKinnon, Frank and Alice Longbottom, um, Emmeline Vance. There's Lupin, obvi obviously, Ben... Benj... Benji, Benji Fenwick. Yeah. Um, Edgar Bones, brother of Amelia Bones. Um, Sturgis Podmore, Caradoc Dearborn, Hagrid, Elpheus Doge. Yeah, Gideon Pruitt. Yeah, Molly Weasley's brothers killed yes. during the first war. It took five Death Eaters, including to kill him Dollar and his brother. So Molly wasn't in the order, but they were. Right. And I have to believe that that's because they had young kids to look after right and time. i'm sure that her brothers were like molly like they were protecting them whereas now it's like molly feels 
obligated to like they're the old you know like they're yeah who are around and who's left so okay but i yeah but i don't know if it like in the books or later on that we're actually like told that those two were her brothers oh well they they have to be because they're the pruitt i definitely i definitely feel like we're told I don't know where we're told, but they're definitely her brothers. I know this for a fact. Well, I, I know, know that... I, I know yeah, this I just... like I know that there are seven Weasley brothers. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this episode is clearly just us going to be checking up on facts that we should already know about because yeah. we are so prepared. Look, I, while Megs is Googling stuff, I'm going to tell you a little story. <laughs> So, um, we before we started this episode, we recorded Beyond Space and Time a little, what was supposed to be a little, pride introduction for one of our episodes, which you'll have already heard two episodes back by the time this airs. But um, it was supposed to, we were just supposed to be like a little two or three minute introduction thingy. We took 11 minutes. To, just to do mm-hmm. that, that's that's the energy that we're meeting you with today. I'm yes. not apologising for it because clearly <laughs> we can talk. If we couldn't talk, there'd mm-hmm. be no point in this podcast. Yes. Some of you might be thinking there is no point in this podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> we are here Ouch. to prove you wrong. Ouch. We yes. are here to prove you. <laughs> we are living proof that this is a, a yes. fallacious judgment and here's why, because Megs is about to hit you with some canon goodness. <laughs> Go for it, Megs, I believe in oh, you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, so one, let's get started with the fact that Arthur calls Molly Molly Wobbles. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the freaking yeah. cutest thing? What yeah, I do you know. like? The fact that that's the question, like, what is the name that you ask me to call you when we're alone together? <laughs> Molly Wobbles. Oh, like, it's, no. just, it's just so cute. And it's like, you can see that. Like, it's just, you. as far as people who you believe and you can see are truly in love, you feel that from them. Yeah. You know? Like, even... What is it? Molly is like, oh, they're so young. What are they doing getting married? As in Fleur and Bill. And then it's like, didn't you get married like immediately out of school? I'm like, yes, well, your father and I were made for each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and proceeded to have, you know, have all their kids, you know, the kids and whatever. And regardless of, you know, their financial means and things like that. And yeah. you don't, you don't necessarily see like you like money is often like a really big stressor on relationships but you don't ever see them really being in any sort of like tension or fight aside from when arthur wants to tell harry about Sirius black like in the third book yeah you know so it's like that's the first time because molly just wants to protect him like he's gonna be terrified but he's like he needs to know like at least the basics otherwise he's you know how the kids are they're gonna go Mm -hmm. off into the forest they're not gonna listen to the rules like if he doesn't know he's genuinely in danger like he's just you know something could happen and but yeah i mean they're just they're just so like loving and it's oh it's just it's so great it's just i love them so much yeah and i i would love to be in molly's head when she's thinking about 
how they're made for each other. Like, Mm -hmm. because we get this through Harry, who, let's face it, is oblivious to most human emotions until quite late on in the books. So you get the, the... tender moment without any real qualification or explanation and we have this thing of like you know when molly wobbles is mentioned there's a a a brief moment where molly blushes and there's the the, you know there's the, the the nice interaction there but i would love to know how molly because clearly she still feels this way about their relationship and for that to have such a strong foundation i'm like was it forged in the was it forged out of trauma? Did they grow together as people very mm-hmm. quickly through school because of other stuff that was going on? Like, I really want to know what were the first sort of tentative steps made in that relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, I think she mentions, like, hiding from the gamekeeper at the time. The, you know, yes, the they would they would go on walks together, like, after curfew and stuff like that. And, yeah, like, it just... <laughs> They, what did they get up to? <laughs> and we, we, well, we don't know what they got up to, but we can make yeah. a pretty educated guess. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that there is fan fiction that, if it doesn't exist already, <laughs> will fill in those gaps. Because, yes. because I, like, I just want to know. I want to, like, that side of my curiosity, I think, for any ship that I really feel passionately about and i do feel Mm -hmm. about them i want to know like the basis for it because that's the start the springboard for everything else right you know and if you know something happened in their you know formative years whatever it might be um Mm -hmm. in the forest or behind the broom shed or you know up on the quidditch pitch for no reason you know like i i just i just want to know i yeah i feel like I feel so it could go a bunch of different ways like either a it's kind of like the Ron and Hermione story where like things are slow build that no one really acknowledges their feelings until you know closer on to the end obviously they reached a point where they were together and you know went on mm-hmm. walks and things like that but I'd like to think that it was Molly who finally was like like Arthur was oblivious like he was oblivious like either he couldn't imagine someone like Molly seeing him other than like the weird Weasley, like you, he probably was a bit dorky in school. If you think about it, like the one student around all the, um, because that's obviously was like around the time that things were starting with the first war. And obviously the purebloods had a very, were vocalized in what they thought and felt regarding muggles. And he was just like this random student that was probably obsessed with muggle studies. So Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, so that's, I just, I could see him being kind of the Ron where you just, someone needs to literally shake him and be like, dude, she's so into you. It's ridiculous. And him just being, what? No, really? What? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Molly doing all the chasing in the relationship yes. and, and yes. um, maybe at some point getting wind that of the fact that he likes muggle artifacts and so mm-hmm. randomly like giving him a shopping trolley at one point or something or or how do you smuggle you know, that i'm trying to picture this in hogwarts like hoarding <laughs> gifts like he just wakes up and there's and there's a trolley at the well what if there's bed. what if like people throw trolleys into rivers all the time what if there's a shopping trolley at the bottom of the black lake molly finds out about this she mm-hmm. raises it from the depths of the lake 
you know, after she's prized it free of the squid, obviously. And then, <laughs> as, a, as a final gesture of, of love, she climbs mm-hmm. inside it and poses seductively. <laughs> the face I'm making right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to... Um, you need to wow. see see Meg's face. She's just like, why are you bringing this to me? Why do my ears even need to be assaulted by this absolute verbal garbage, Nathan? What are that you was, doing? That was definitely nowhere near anything my mind would have <laughs> As far as like, she finds out that he likes bubble stuff. So that she, it's not just like, oh, I found this like, cute little something a milk a bottle whole, top a whole <laughs> trolley oh wow oh my goodness how does a how does a muggle trolley work in comparison to like the trolley on the hogwarts express oh uh, you know well, what i mean yeah yeah good point hmm. so because <laughs> it's not really it doesn't really flow it's definitely got wheels <laughs> yeah so uh, I'm trying to think how is it how is it magically distinguished? Maybe it has um compartments in the trolley that magically mm-hmm. replenish the food yes. or like or even trans- are like kind of bottomless. You know what I mean? Like with yeah. Hermione's bag or whatever that are enchanted to just be bottomless and whatever. Yes, the I mean, undetectable extension charm. Yeah, yeah, like there's there's a ton of students. I mean, then there's Harry that's like, I'll take everything. And of course, she's just snickering to herself like, you can't have everything, but I'll, I'll make it look like you have everything. <laughs> yeah, but then also he does end up with an awful lot of stuff. And in that scene in the film, I'm always like, there's an entire train of people to feed and that's not yes. a huge trolley. Like yes. Harry puts some of that food back and think of other people for once you selfish thought but he was not he never no one ever thought of him so, so that's he, no excuse to be like okay i'm gonna rob the joy of everyone else on this train just because i've never had the, the wizard food before i mean i'm sure there are other muggle bones that were on that train for the first time that year and they're thinking yeah. this bloody trolley which is being really tight with this food they're like what like, like imagine being at the end of the train and you're just getting the crumbs like, yes. left from the last. There's Cornish like the squished the... box, the squished box of chocolate frog, and like literally only Birdie Bots ever flavor every flavor beans because people have had it once and then never again sort of yeah. situation. Like it's literally just a bunch of Birdie Bots beans. Oh wow! Have you ever actually had the real the the yeah. a packet of the Birdie Bots beans? Yes, multiple times. Because they're they're an experience and the disgusting ones are actually really disgusting like they are i i don't particularly want to um there's a grass flavored one and it's really just like you're licking the bottom of a football boot which unless you're into that (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) wow that's Anywho. funny. Anyway, Arthur and Molly. Arthur and Molly and shopping trolleys. And how um, how are muggle shopping trolleys different? Well, mm-hmm. this one is different because Molly's in it posing seductively for Arthur at the side of the lake. Also trying to hide from other people, I assume. So trying to do it in a way that's like an obvious come on, but at the same time being sleuthy enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, hmm. So, yeah, maybe the trolley wouldn't work. Maybe it is just something like a... a milk bottle top or a I don't know, I don't know like a corkscrew or something that she's found and she's I like know. oh 
I still, I, yeah, I still am like some things you're just like, oh, they have this, but it's still kind of like they use things in the magical world that are not necessarily magical, that are definitely quote unquote muggle items, but it's still like, it's just, I don't know. But it, it makes sense when it comes to like electricity and plugs and whatever random things that so trying to figure that out versus just like, you know, torches yeah. and just fire and candles and yeah, blah, blah, versus, you know, whatever nonsense. But yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we have to believe that at some point, anyway, I think Molly would have been furnishing him, playing him with Muggle artifacts mm -hmm. that he could use to further his interest in mm -hmm. the in the Muggle arts. Um, but I really think, like, for them to be sort of married straight out of school and then mm -hmm. be having kids straight away, there has to have been a really deep, profound connection between mm -hmm. them because not only did they have all these kids we know they're still together after all this time mm -hmm. there has to be substance there and i don't know like how do you imagine that started do you think it was like a whirlwind romance that became something else or do you think it was like slow burning feelings that that blossomed over time Oh, I mean, I just, I, I see it potentially having moved slowly, but I, I feel like as soon as Molly realized that she liked Arthur, you know, as more than just, you mm. know, whatever, that she'd yeah. like turn up the heat as far as like, I'm going to make this boy, <laughs> you know, mine sort of thing. Like she's, she gets stuff done. Like she's not going to like beat around the bush and, and waste time, especially with someone who's you know, oblivious to the feelings or things like that. And and I'm not sure what the age difference is between her and her brothers as far as, like, whether they were at school, like, you know, around the same time. Yeah, I think they, I think they were... Were they younger than her or older? I think they were a few years older. I'm prepared okay. to be absolutely wrong about that, but I think that there was a... <laughs> a I think they were a few years older. Because um, I think she mentioned this, them being her older brothers but again yeah. it the, could be because it could be something where she the reason why they would meet and go for walks like you know outside of school versus just hanging out in the common room or something like that like what if her brothers were super protective of her and didn't mm. want her dating anyone yeah, and I so then they're that. literally secretly dating and so that was kind of like a you know it like you you see that where people like kind of will spite get together with somebody or like as yes. soon as they got out of school they're like we you know they eloped let's just say <laughs> that they eloped like they just went got married and then they're just like ta-da <laughs> Well, I, I, so I love the fact that Julie Walters plays Molly Weasley because she is mm -hmm. also in Mamma Mia. And there's a bit in Mamma Mia where yes. she's like dancing on top of a table singing, like, take a chance on me. And I absolutely see her doing something similar, like by the lake or in the forest, like just singing to Arthur, being like, take a chance on me. And like, I, I cannot get that mental image out of my head. But like, I, that is perfect. That is, <laughs> that is perfection yeah like her climbing up trees and and, and scaling yes. the castle and he's trying to get away from her and then it just oh that is amazing i need yeah. that i need i need oh my gosh that's so 
so great. So I am a yeah. big fan of musical inspired fan fiction, especially where the authors do the brilliant thing of transposing lyrics into the middle of fic and people yes. burst into song for no reason. I love <laughs> I I love it not being announced and you get so far into the fic and then yeah. you're like Okay, this is a musical <laughs> fic. And, the, and people who literally spontaneously burst into song. Mm-hmm. I feel like it will be on brand for her. I mm-hmm. think she's impish. She's really charming. She's got the charisma. You know she can dance. Like, I am... Like, and plus, she's committed. Like, she said that her own words were we were made for each other. So as soon as she twigs, she's going to throw herself into this. What if... Because, okay, so we can we can see and assume that pretty much all of the, you know, the only time Ron isn't quote unquote very like um, gifted as far as spell work is like the second book when literally has a broken wand. Like he can't yes. do anything because he has a broken wand. But all of the Weasley children are like actually pretty exceptional with magic. Like you look at the twins with they're doing the joke shop, Bill being a, you know, a curse breaker, Charlie working with dragons, which obviously needs powerful magic. Ginny has been, you know, said to be very, very, you know, good with charms and even defensive against the dark arts and things like that. So obviously it, you know, can come back to like, what if like Molly is actually like really you know, gifted as far as magically. And that could be part of why she's so against the twins, like using that power for something that she seems as silly and dangerous and, you know, whatever. But so, of course, I got this when I was like, okay, yeah, she's singing Take a Chance on Me to Arthur. And she just has like the, the, like the, the first, like, unpatented like actual like weasley's like wildfire whiz bangs that actually she didn't realize that she had wow and then the what if what if she had some wild like designs of things that she was exploring in school and then the twins found them i love that idea so (laughs) so she's like embarrassed or like mad or whatever and it's just like i mean hey what i mean i just because i could see that being because you think about like parents who Either they tried, like say they had a dream and it didn't go where they wanted it to and it really like was a disappointment and probably really negatively affected them. And then where they could have had a connection and mutual ground with a child because they're just Mm. as much into that thing because they were hurt by it in the past. They're automatically against it because they don't want their child to fail or be through that as well like maybe yes. she was really into joke stuff like what you know what if she loved going to zonko's and all those goofy things and then well, that's where her and still have been and then her and arthur would like would um she he would he knew that she liked joke stuff and he and she knew he liked muggle stuff so he would teach her muggle magic tricks and they would just go back and forth with all these goofy things and uh, how about I, that um <laughs> I am officially in love with this idea. <laughs> I absolutely buy that. And she has to have been, you know, really mm-hmm. prodigiously ma- magically talented mm-hmm. and um, and an explorer and an innovator in that way because it isn't just Fred and George. It's right. Ginny too. Yeah. It's like that whole family has a lineage of, um, let's say, cool disinclination to follow the rules except percy and we've mm-hmm. we've already we've already sort of 
kind of established why Percy is different. And, yeah. you know, and why he isn't and why he um, belongs firmly in the Weasley clan um, eventually. But by and large, there is this strain through every single one of the Weasleys that we know about that mm-hmm. is just too um, in love with the mischief. So she has to have been that as well. Yes. And... I now I love I especially love this idea of Arthur teaching her muggle magic tricks and mm-hmm. you know like um like that trick with the cups where you have to find the the thing hidden underneath them mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like rudimentary card tricks and she uh, is like building on this and being like okay yeah but what if we like added exploding snap into the mix and then all of a sudden you know you get these rudimentary Okay, what about this? Because, of course, like, as we know, as an adult, so he must, as a kid, also be kind of like, like he's, like I had said early on, like, he's still not super knowledgeable regarding muggle stuff, regardless of his obsession with it. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe because, like, he was trying to impress her by doing, like, muggle magic tricks, (laughs) like something different. And then he was doing it poorly, like, like the whole, like, like, pick, you know, pick a card. And she picks a card and he's like, is this your card? And it's not. So then she just, like, snaps her finger behind her, you know, back and it turns into the card. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, wow. Like, she does it so that he's validated in thinking oh. that he can do these muggle tricks, even though she's, like, doing magic to make it seem like he's doing it right. I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, big on-brand energy for Molly. I think yeah. she... Um, she definitely suits the sort of centralized matriarch figure uh, in the household. And in, of course, to position herself as that, she needs to have a sort of commanding presence in Arthur's life. Not mm-hmm. not controlling or domineering, but she needs to position him to feel good about himself so that he's feeling good about, you know, having kids and starting a family. And the way to do that is by building up his confidence. So I can absolutely see mm-hmm. that she would, she would be that way. And, um... I am. I'm just living for these these slapstick comedy moments <laughs> now by the lake or the forest or wherever mm-hmm. it happens to be in Hogsmeade, you know, yeah. in the back of the Hog's head somewhere, and like Aberforth shaking his head at them and just being mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, what are they going to get up to today?" I mm-hmm. just, I, I love all of that silly stuff that we don't get a chance to explore by the time they're older. But yeah. this would be. It, like this would be great pillow talk for Arthur and Molly as well to be to be like you know that of an evening they're in bed together they would just be like hey do you remember the time we nearly burned down the hogshead because we mm-hmm. thought we were going <laughs> to yeah oh, I so I funny. just I love this idea um, clearly we're just writing more fan fiction on the fly <laughs> but I feel like we do this whenever we get invested in a ship so it's a good mm-hmm. sign that it's happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want the Hogwarts like talent show like if yeah. they had like a t- yeah yeah, yeah. Show, and that was actually part of it like molly's there to support her boyfriend and he's like trying to do muggle magic and it's like going really poorly so she's just has her wand like <laughs> between her like underneath the you know blocked from the seat in front of her just like flicking and making sure everything turns out okay what if he actually wanted to try sawing someone in <laughs> <laughs> oh no he's like, that's perfect he's like, he just he just pulls out and molly's just horrified she's just like oh no this is not gonna go well 
<laughs> so, so she's there having yeah. like her, her skills in medi wizardry or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. To just be like on the sly, murmuring incantations to be like, please don't actually cut a student in half. Please don't. <laughs> right, like making the saw like actually kind of like just go through it. Rubber. Like it's yeah. no longer it's no longer solid, but you can still see it. But it's just like wow. And what... Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm, de- I'm definitely, now that you bring up the talent show, I remember a fanfic, uh, I remember a, a ministry mayhem that we all wrote and it was around mm. about the time of, uh, it was around about the time of Loosely. Yes. Uh, where, where everybody was in a band together. So in this band were Molly and Arthur and Lucius and Narcissa. <laughs> And there were lyrics. <laughs> we have okay, so maybe we'll see if I get permission, which I don't see why I wouldn't. But um, yeah, we wrote this ridiculous song, and Fee decided to like put music to it and sang it, and <laughs> so we have that clip somewhere. So I hope that I can literally add this now. Um, so hopefully that's a thing because it was the most ridiculous. <laughs> it was ever. incredible. It was very. It was. V- very naughty. Very, very. I, I think there were there was reference to tight robes and man globes. I think that yeah. was a rhyme of mine. Yeah. I added in there because I I knew it had to rhyme, but I was like, what, oh. what, what rhymes with robes? And you you know you're on a time limit, so you're just like, I want these lyrics to be really good and memorable, and and but like this would be perfect. Yeah, uh, perfect for the talent show. Okay, I just woke up. Um, and this melody is still in flux, so, but anyway, I copied out all the lyrics, and, um, for the, (laughs) for the song yesterday, in our, uh, Ridiculous Mayhem of Madness, (laughs) and this is what I got, um, I've never met a wizard quite like you. The bulge in my pants is quite new. If only you knew why. This cock throbs against my thigh. We could maybe try this out. When I'm in my tight ropes, you spot my man globes. And it feels, oh, it feels so good when i swing my hips i will sink ships like a wizard lover should anyway that's what i got (laughs) i love you guys thank you for indulging my nonsense so you know what if they were all in a band together because we've established mm-hmm. as well that they were all sort of at hogwarts around about the same time um, with the exception of narcissa ish. yeah like it was like um narcissa might have been like really like at the beginning as the as the two weasleys were leaving because it was what was it lucius technically it was like third year when Arthur was seventh year or whatever, whatnot. But it was kind of like our headcanon of like, oh, if they were around the same age and they were, you know, in the same years or whatever, then of course they're in a band together. And of course the four of them are together. So it's... <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Look, yeah, we I turned into we a Polyship some... episode. Yeah, 
we did. We did. And we started getting into Narcissa and Molly, which I definitely want to do an episode on too eventually. So that would just be so cute. I just, I love that being the continuing story of like, okay, this is why Arthur and Lucius are meant to be together. And then this is why it's okay because Molly and Narcissa end up together. And it's just yes. wonderful. Yeah. Oh, man. I love the, I love the idea of, so there's a moment and I think it's Goblet of Fire where she's listening to the wireless, the, the Wizarding Wireless Network and there's this song of Celestina Warbeck's comes on, the cauldron full of hot strong love. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of Molly listening to that and being that being the trigger for her for like a, a Narcissa love story. Um, and uh, And that, you know, triggering an entire reminiscence that then but you know i'm going off into a <laughs> territory for another episode exactly like me um <laughs> let's let's for now talk about why molly and arthur work um yes. but yeah the the magic tricks would be good for the the talent show the band would be good for the talent show um i just think that there isn't much they couldn't do. I could even see them like trying to do some sort of weird um, ventriloquist dummy act, um, and like because because you know we haven't seen a lot of ventriloquism in Harry Potter fan fiction, or I have. They put on literally like the Muppets, like they literally have like Muppets yeah. puppets, and they're running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, and, Arthur and Molly are behind Harry Potter Puppet Pals. Oh. <laughs> My mind is blown. My this just got meta. I if now if you could have seen my face in that moment, it's just like, oh no. Oh my like is the like brain coming out of my ears? <laughs> what is happening? Anyway, they we've established that they are they're really clever and there's not much yes. that they couldn't do if they didn't want to put their minds to it um but i have to believe that a lot of their efforts were sort of extracurricular i don't see either of them being particularly bookish or book smart or mm-hmm. totally focused on their studies and i think this is perhaps why molly later on to fred and george is like oh my god you need to concentrate on your owls right. because you know that thing parents do where yes. or, or i should say parents can do because well my parents don't listen to the pod, I think. But on the off chance that they ever would, I don't mean to <laughs> Hi, insinuate... Mom. I love you. You're the perfect <laughs> <Yes>. parent. <laughs> yes. You, you've never done anything sus, and I love you very much. But also, also, sometimes parents can do that thing where if they feel they've made a misstep, they can mm-hmm. be... They can just intend to course correct with their kids and right. where molly is like oh you should focus on your studies you should be doing your owls don't waste time with all of mm-hmm. this weird you know stuff that you've got going on because uh who has time for all of this dangerous stuff when right. you know you could be getting respectable jobs and doing well for yourselves and all this mm-hmm. and i think it's because she knows that there's that innate part of herself that is like that just wants to have fun and, right. you know, why wouldn't that be there if so many of her children are also inherently that? 
Right. And that's why she latches on so much to Percy because he's the opposite. Like she didn't have yeah. to work at it. Like she's just like, Percy is everything I should have been in school. You know what I mean? Like he's so about his studies. He's prefect, head boy. And, you know, I mean, not that the, you know, like Bill was head boy and obviously the older um, students, you know, but still Charlie did his own thing. Like he didn't even finish school, was just like, oh, I'm going to go work with dragons or whatever and did things yeah. unconventionally. But I feel like that's not. You know, that's not an unexpected thing for Weasleys to, you know, have done done some done other. You know what I mean? Like something yeah. different. So it's uh yeah, I could see her being that self like you had said, like she looks at Percy as like, Wow, I'm actually gonna have a, a kid that's going to do things the way I wish I should have handled things and is going to, you know, make things happen for themselves. And and it also could be something where she has, like, as much as she loves Arthur, as much as she loves her family, like, she wouldn't wish their lifestyle upon her kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even though she's accepted yeah. as hers and theirs and they do what they can for them. But it's like for her to see her children succeed in something. And I think that she she saw Bill succeed. Obviously, Charlie is succeeding in what he's doing. Percy is on the path to obviously great success and aspirations. And then she looks at the joke shop idea as that's going to go nowhere. You're not going to have any money. Like you're going to, you know, like I want more for you. Like I want more for you, even though I didn't get more. Like she's still, she's accepted that that's the way her life is because she loves Arthur and loves the family. And, but there's always going to be that part of everyone that wishes things were a little different. Like she can't, like even if she were to say like, I love our life just the way it is. It's like, eh, you're still taking your kids shopping and you can only get them secondhand stuff and you can see how people look at them and treat them. Like that's going to that's gonna affect a mother extremely. Like that's just, that's going to be something yeah. that she has to carry. So it's just like, I want your future to be better. And I think a lot of parents are that way regardless of reasons why, you know, yeah. like, cho- like choices or just, stu- you know, kids being different in whatever ways like they don't want their kids lives to be harder than they need to be and so then they push all these things on you know when they when she just obviously needed to sit back and like they're passionate they're driven they're talented like obviously then they become super successful like they're looking at a second you know opening up a second store or like buying zonkos and all this stuff and so but I, I she just she just wants what's best for everybody and that can be good and that can be bad yeah, exactly. And I think it's heightened as well by, it's sort of skirted over by Sirius at one point when he's talking about the Black Tapestry. But the, there's that chapter where he and Harry are sort of examining it and, you know, looking at all of the burn holes that his mother has put into it. And he says something about, oh, um, the Weasleys were blasted off here long ago because they're yeah. all, uh, you'd never find a bigger bunch of blood traitors or something like that. And so it's something that they both must have been really aware of as well Mm -hmm. molly and arthur growing up and falling in love because there must have been a lot of pure blood society that they were just cut off from because they were because they made their feelings about muggles clear or their feelings Mm -hmm. about how they wanted to live clear to these pure bloods around them and i think you know um that ostracization that feeling of being other that that um sort of creation of distance 
is something that's very difficult for anybody to deal with. Mm -hmm. So if you can minimise that or minimise the impact of that in your kids or try and make it a little bit easier for them than it was for you, Mm -hmm. um, I I really empathise with with Molly trying to do that and trying to do the best by them. But I really feel like a lot of this is motivated by feeling cut off from a lot of what they would have been exposed to, especially as kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's okay now, of course, I had I had brought up about her wanting, like, obviously, Arthur is passionate about his job. Like, he could have done something different. He probably could have found a job that made more money. But it's like, but mm-hmm. that's what he wanted to do. Like, he wanted to w- work in the misuse of muggle artifacts. And, like, that's just, but the money wasn't there. And he accepted that. So it's just... It, it is an example of like passions over, you know, successes and what is what does success mean and, and all of that. So, yeah, so I think that she she loves her husband because of that, but also is scared for her children being that way as well because of what that could mean for their futures. So, yeah, yeah. but I think it's really like the dynamism that Arthur presents about being energized about muggle artifacts and having time for the silliness and having time for having a joke with his kids and being very sort of laid back parentally in a way that is very sort of affectionate and giving them space that complements Molly's style quite Mm -hmm. well because like you say she couldn't be a bit of a helicopter parent you know she can be um a little bit uh I don't want to say dictatorial, but she she likes things done a certain way. She has certain expectations. And for Arthur to um, really get a sense that he is in this for the long term, for Arthur to invest in this idea of a family and invest in this idea of a future with Molly, Mm -hmm. I think he has to, uh, for himself, champion that side of him that is silly and that does put, like you say, put your passions ahead of your prospects. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think he, I think it's a side of Arthur that's often underplayed. But a lot of what makes his character so redeemable and lovable and, and just, you know, recognisable to us is that sort of goofy, you know, there's a there's a part of him that, I don't want to say never grows up, but he's always in touch with that mischievous side of himself mm-hmm. and uh and i just really feel like for arthur and uh, from his perspective like keeping because like you say he could you know at some point he could have gone off with lucius at some point he could have had other relationships mm-hmm. but in the context of this discussion and for the purposes of this episode the reason he sticks it out is because there's such an atmosphere that is conducive to making everybody in that family feel loved and valued mm-hmm. for who they are and that comes from that sense of you're fueled by your passions and not just by what you can do or what Mm -hmm. you can achieve and that's so different from other pure blood influences like the way other families might put these pressures on their children Mm -hmm. look at the way the malfoys are with draco look at the way there's so much pressure on him to constantly be the prodigal son Mm -hmm. you know 
it's I'm not I'm not saying that there are no pressures on the Weasleys. Of course, like you say, because of the fact that they're um you know, they struggle for money. There are you know, economic pressures there which you know, have all sorts of other social implications on on what they do. But within their family and as a family unit, they support each other and love each other and stick up for each other. And I think that is so that is so fundamental to why we love the Weasleys mm-hmm. as a group is because that's what that symbolizes. And that's why Harry feels at home there as well, because mm-hmm. it's a sort of unconditional love that he hasn't been privy to. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that, like you saying that is like, if he were to go to a job that he hated just for the sake of providing for family, say, yeah. like that, com- you know, regardless of like, oh, you go to work and leave it. But it's like it you carry that coming home. Like he could be a very not as like happy and present and as much like fun of like of a father or even a partner if he was in something most of his days that had a negative impact on him. So I feel like that made him a wonderful wonderful father and a wonderful partner because he was had constant constant positive exposure you know which which was great and i was thinking about how like okay yes they had a bunch of kids so and they didn't stop until Ginny was born and Ginny's the only yes. girl so my yeah. thought was that like cuz as far as i know it was Molly and then her twin brothers did she have any other siblings i don't think so. Again, I'm prepared to be wrong about this. Right. Uh, yeah, we don't. We're going to go off of that. So so obviously Molly didn't have a sister. You know, we can assume Molly didn't have a sister. And so maybe she was really close with her mother. Like she had a really yeah. wonderful relationship with her mother oh, that's and her good. brothers with yeah. the fathers. So she had always wanted a girl. Like she just, she wanted that same connection with her own daughter. So, sure. and of course, like I could just see her being like, it's like, oh, had Bill. Oh, had Charlie. Oh, had Percy. And it's like, okay, the next one. Then it's like, holy shit, it's twins. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then there's Ron. And then finally... Finally, they get, you know, they get Jenny. And that's when she was like, oh, like, you you know that she that's what she was waiting for. Like, because there are yeah. parents like that, that it's just like, oh, I want to have that connection with. Like, with my family, it was two girls, then a boy. And my dad was, gar- like, when my mom said she was pregnant with my brother, they didn't, they didn't find out. Like, they didn't, they, it was a definitely when he was born, when all of us were born situation. And he was he was sure that it was going to be another girl. Like he was so confident in that because he put us into all the quote unquote boy stuff. You know what I mean? Like we played hockey, we played soccer, we played, you know, softball. We did, you know, we did all those things like, because that was him being like, oh, I loved all those things. So I want to do that with my kids, regardless of, you know, the gender and whatnot, even though I'm like, I'm not a competitive person in that way. So it was definitely more like negative, impactful on me than it was for like my sister who like, you know, she she did. She did. She was a trooper in far, far, as far <laughs> as that. But then when my brother was born, it was like, oh, my gosh, like he had that, you know, he had his son that he could connect with and do, you know, all of those things yeah. and whatnot. So, you know, so I could see that, like, even though it took a lot of children to get there, like, then she got her, she got her daughter and she had always wanted that, you know. And so then her and Jenny were always really, you know, really close. And, and I, and I love that for Molly too, to have that. What have we got? A girl worth waiting for. <laughs> 
I was sitting on that the entire time you were talking about You're just like, point. you're waiting like... for me to stop talking, like. <laughs> I could, yeah, it's just going round and round. That's all that happens in my head. Mm-hmm. Just musical bits and occasional thoughts. Disney Not really many. musical bits. Yeah, yes, yes. Would it be an episode of our podcast without a Disney reference? I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Um, so if so, anyone has any Harry Potter slash Disney AU crossover stuff, please <laughs> send it our way. <laughs> Feel free to rub our lamp. Um, <laughs> I was about to take a, a, a drink sorry. of tea, and I'm pretty, and I'm really glad that I did. <laughs> It's let's let Megs have a little sip break, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm oh, just—I'm not going to say anything because I don't want tea to come out your nose. <laughs> I, can I just say that as somebody who like drinks come out of my nose often because I laugh all the mm-hmm. time, and people, like anybody that knows me, will wait until I've taken a sip of something before they try and make me laugh, which isn't yeah. very hard to do. Because I'm an incredibly giddy sort of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I just say that the worst drink ever to do that with <laughs> isn't even tea, even though that's not pleasant. The worst one is orange juice. Because Ooh. because that is stingy on the old nostrils, can I just say. And I, I, do, I do not recommend <laughs> that you try that at home. This is not me endorsing a nostril enema. Um, I... <laughs> I am just saying that, like, if you are like me, if you're a giggly person or if you know giggly people and you see that they're about to take a sip of something, mm-hmm. don't be, don't make them lose their drink up their nose. Not Another thing that's not great for choking slash through nose, um, a grapefruit flavored, like, oh. sparkling water. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and the fizziness as so well. The fizz and the acid. <laughs> Oh, oh no. Oh, that's that so was, I can that feel was that awful. viscerally. That was oh. so bad. <laughs> I bet on the plus side, I bet mm. your breathing after that was incredible. You're oh, like, wow. I can breathe in colours I never knew existed. <laughs> My lungs are so full. Anyway, I've taken us off oh, on wow. another massive tangent. Let's mm. circle back to the pairing that we're here to talk about. I... I'm just so, I I feel like what part of the reason they don't get talked about more is because they feel so comfortable together. Mm-hmm. I know, and I feel like this is so true of a lot of canon pairings because like there, there's already stuff that we know why they work because we see their relationship play off each other is I think what I want to say. Mm-hmm. But what I'm what I'm excited about is something we haven't necessarily talked about yet, is that they both have to be adventurous in the bedroom. Just going to say it because <laughs> they've had a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. They've, ha- they've had a lot of kids. And we know, especially from doing this podcast and from our own experience, that they, like having sex isn't like the only point and purpose of it is not to have kids. Mm-hmm. So they have to be... Enjoying each other's company in that context as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what your thoughts are about them in that context, because why wouldn't I? I am confident Arthur has a pregnancy kink. <laughs> 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 and 
when she got oh. pregnant with the twins and was like significantly larger, he would, couldn't handle himself. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I just that just it's just that's a thing that I they... I believe full one hundred percent. What if they share a pregnancy kink? Because then that's even. Ooh, yeah. That's even mm-hmm, more. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think. I don't think of either of them as being very dumb or sub, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, what if they're both sort of switchy? Like, mm-hmm. I can. I see that being really fun for them both as well. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love. I love the idea that after so much time. And you know, spending all those years together, they're still so there's still such a chemistry between them. I mean mm-hmm. that which is obvious. Like I just I think they have to be they just have to be enjoying each other's company a lot. And you know, I don't need to like go into like or you know, what positions do you think would suit them? Because you know, I'm not about writing a personalized Weasley Karma Sutra for them. <laughs> But I, let's just say, I think that their experiences would have been extensive. Yes. And I think they would have gone out of their way as well to find fun places to go to, yeah. to do that. Like, because hmm. um, they were meeting in in secret in at Hogwarts, yes. at least initially. So we know that, that sort of meeting together to do stuff whether it's at the top of the astronomy tower, mm-hmm. which seems to be a, a popular place in thick, or wherever it happens to be, like they're gonna want to continue that in their relationship after they leave Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. So I have to, I have to believe that when after one of them or the other one passes their apparition test, they're like, you know, where is today's romantic date gonna be? And then they're, you know, casually, you know. Um, going to the top of a ferris wheel that's broken down or maybe they break it they they, they like break it down on purpose mm-hmm. so they can say, stay at the top of the ferris wheel and go this will be a fun story to tell the kids oh, oh how wow. was i conceived yeah right? you were conceived at the top of the world's biggest ferris wheel <laughs> because we could <laughs> oh wow Ooh. i remember this um coming up it was this was a long time ago. One of my friends had shared with me because they're like, "Is this a thing?" Um, and even after we both did some like extensive digging, we couldn't really find a basis off of it besides someone just wanting to make some sort of meme of sorts. And so it was like, um, I'll see if I can find the Reddit link, but it was like a Reddit meme, like I think either like Harry Potter Reddit or something like that. But it was like. It was a picture of, what was it, someone saying something and then someone, like, screaming and running away. So it was, like, J, like, it was, like, JK, um, like, talking about how, like, Molly absolutely, you know, pegs Arthur or whatever. And then it was, like, and then it was, like, the fandom and then the fandom was running away or whatever. And, of course, I was, like, actually, that sounds really nice. (laughs) I'm actually 100% behind this. So I'm going to have to see if I find the link. And if I do, I will share that in the description. And if any of you know that there's actual real context behind that, that would be fantastic to know. Otherwise, I'm just glad it exists because I believe it 100%. Like, that's just, you know. And also, it's extra good because dildos can qualify as muggle artifacts. Ooh, oh, oh my gosh. What if he went to a muggle sex shop <gasps> and got all yes! these, like literally just was like, 
just just didn't even know what shit did like didn't even know what it was and just went and bought a bunch of stuff and brought it home and so part of like his you know research and exploration was literally them doing random things with all these things and figuring out how different stuff worked and the things that they like and so and maybe that's part of it like like you said kind of like a shared like pregnancy or even breeding kink thing like what if wow. molly feels the same thing so the reason why she pegs arthur is because it's like that that background of like oh this is me breeding my husband you know what i mean yes (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) can you imagine the two of them can you imagine the day that arthur comes home and they both discover viagra and like i just (laughs) well there has to be a spell i'd imagine there's some sort of spell Yes, but like, imagine like, so if there's a spell, I imagine it happens more or less instantaneously and then the effects are felt for as long as you, you know, until you cast the, the, um, like the Mm -hmm. de-engorgement spell or whatever Mm -hmm. it happens to be. So, but, uh, with Viagra, there's a sort of, uh, it it takes a while before it takes effect. Mm -hmm. So what if Arthur is like taking them and then going, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. So he takes more. Yeah. And then it's... (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. And then then it's just like three days later and he still hasn't emerged from finally, finally Molly's like, you have to go to St. Mungo's. Like you you have to go to St. Mungo's and that's going to be the most embarrassing thing to walk up. And they're like, what are... What are you, you know, what floor are you looking for? It's like, well, I took some muggle medication and uh, yeah, I'm having some problems. Oh, wow. I'm having some downers about my uppers. Yes. <laughs> but I love that. I love that combination of like bringing in the muggle stuff into into that. I wonder if the kids go to like any sort of like like summer camp or stay with family at some point so that the parents can like have time together or something like yeah. that because it's yeah. not until obviously Jenny goes away that they're you know just them which imagine that imagine that day that it's like they send Jenny off on the train and either like the the older boys are gone and moved out um everyone else is at school and they just go home and they're just like finally and then it's yeah. all about them again like it's just like they just go crazy on you know it's just that shows like yes. even after all this time I still love you just as much and I still want you just as much and so I just think that's yeah. really nice and also it has the potential to be really wholesome and healing because you know when when all of your kids have flown the nest that has to be pretty hard especially when you know you've invested so much time and energy and so much of your mental energy has gone into you know making sure they're okay and um and those kids have been through a lot at school as well so it's not just like mm-hmm. random parent worries about you know casual stuff that happens i mean there's actual like mortal peril going on at mm-hmm. school and at work for arthur so molly has a lot of reasons to be worried so when she finally gets arthur to herself again i can imagine it turning from this thing of like oh my god you know i i what do i do with myself now mm-hmm. because i i feel so like the nest feels so empty mm-hmm. and then arthur's like i can maybe think of a few ways mm-hmm. to fill this time that might be more enjoyable so i definitely and i love that it it would be a chance for them to sort of reconnect rediscover themselves rediscover all these weird muggle artifacts yeah can you imagine like 
Arthur trying to fiddle with all the batteries to make things work. Oh and, boy, and that, yeah. It's, that but he's like, he's be... like, has like a double A trying to put it in a triple A like slot. And yeah. so like, <laughs> he's like, but, but there's batteries in it. And like Harry opens it up and it's like a ton of watch batteries inside of like, you know, like <laughs> he's just like pouring batteries inside of stuff. Why isn't it working? <laughs> I love that he goes to Harry with stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm imagining, so obviously, like, when Harry's at his desk in the ministry or whatever, mm-hmm. and Arthur just flews into his office, because they're, they're just on first name basis terms, yes. and, and he's just like, Harry, would you take a look at this for me? Mm-hmm. And it, it, like, what if it's like a double-ended dildo or something? <laughs> he's just stuffed a load of... Like, uh, and he's like, and Harry's just rolling his eyes like, Arthur, what have I told you? Yeah. I've told you a thousand times. Do not manually try and engorge batteries. It will not work. Oh, I just, that is so cute. I just love the idea of them being really cute with each other, even into like old age, because Mm -hmm. we've mentioned before, wizards live a very long time. Yes. I can see them you know, being together, excuse me while I readjust my headphone that's about to fall out. There we go. I can see them being together for like as long as they both live, which Mm -hmm. as we know in wizarding terms is a really big investment. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know that you're going to love somebody for that stretch of time. But with them, I feel like they do. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I'll keep coming back to them as a ship because that level of constancy that level of love that i'm sure it ebbs and flows and you mm-hmm. know everybody has bad days but it, but there's a, a solid foundation there you know i okay what? so here's a thought so of course i was oh. thinking like okay so yeah long spans of time you know so that's yeah. also a long window of being able to have kids potentially like depending on like aging slower and things yes. like that so but what if one of the reasons why it's kind of common for people to like get married and have kids early on is so that like as their kids grow up and move on they have a good ma- amount of their prime time in life to just be together you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they had their oh, family. Oh, that's actually really wholesome. Right? Like it's like they did the family thing. They had their family. And then now they can like, you know, obviously they're there to love and support their family. But their family is growing on. And then now it's like, now we have, you know, like a, a potentially 100 to 150 years left for just us. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's, you know. So that's, yeah, that's one thing. Or like, obviously you can wait till later on or like, what if, yeah, what if randomly Arthur and Molly like have a kid shortly after like Ron and Hermione or something, you know, it's like it, it would seem wow, weird that would be in so like muggle cool. terms. But as far as like with wizard lifespans, like I don't see why they couldn't have kids like, you know, later. So yeah. Right. And we know that that's a super... Uh, environment to raise a child mm-hmm. in generally because it's been done like I mean yeah okay the Weasley kids aren't perfect but whose kids are perfect right you know that it's such a it's just generally such a loving nurturing environment and a playful environment and I think getting to grow up in that and getting to um like for the from the child's perspective that has to be Um, Just really fun. Mm -hmm. Because I think, like, a lot of what we see in other wizarding families is this thing of, like, 
this the fight against rigid traditions and uh, expected norms and Mm -hmm. yeah okay molly has a fixation with academic excellence but that's you know peanuts compared to some of the other rigors that we see Mm -hmm. other kids being subjected to and so i think you know getting to have that sense of personal freedom and room to explore is fantastic like Mm -hmm. i think if there if there ever was a trans wizard uh in canon harry potter it would be great if it was um if if that was explored as part of the weasley family Mm -hmm. in some fashion because i really think that that sandbox is broader in the weasley clan that there is that room to self-identify to Mm -hmm. be yourself and to grow in into a sort of an evolved idea of who you are Mm -hmm. through um you know these stuffy traditions not mattering as much Mm -hmm. um and i just like i am i just keep being bowled over by how wholesome it is Mm -hmm. and how um it's kind of sad that that isn't more standard in wizarding families that that Mm -hmm. is the one thing i would sort of caveat that with i wish we saw more more sort of inclusivity in that way um but i but i love seeing it in the Weasleys and I think it's really important that 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 like because obviously they Molly and Arthur see it as really important to communicate that to their kids as well Mm -hmm. and so getting to see it evolve through people like Fred and George and because they're still alive and Ginny (laughs) yes and and, you know Bill and Charlie and all the rest of the seven Weasley brothers is is uh barney is weasley yes barney <laughs> the seventh weasley brother maybe i'm the, <laughs> maybe i'm the seventh weasley brother yeah. slow on the uptake but cute anyway that was the shirt <laughs> idea wasn't it like <laughs> yeah the seventh weasley brother yeah we still have to make that <laughs> i'm yeah, the seventh do. weasley brother. <laughs> love it oh man oh just call me barney <laughs> Oh man! Well, wow, that was man. That went lots of places. That was so much fun. It's oh, always man. an adventure with you, but I really feel like <laughs> these episodes. The more we do of them, the mm-hmm. more roller coastery they become mm-hmm. because they go to places even I wouldn't think of, and we've covered so much ground mm-hmm. today. Like every time I say, you know, we're, we seem to be, you know, pushing the envelope more and more, but mm-hmm. it's just because we're. Wow. Excuse that that motorbike. <laughs> um, it's just because we're as passionate mm-hmm. about this family as Arthur and Molly are about theirs. Is yeah. What I was say. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. That was. Well, hey. I. Well, we. Mm, I'm sorry. I'm like told. I like have a bunch of thoughts like going and cross crossing in my head yeah um oh because one thing that i would just kept kind of popping up and i kept forgetting to mention that i thought was like really beautiful symbolically is like you can imagine like when you when you 
are introduced to the burrow, it looks like it's obviously held up by magic. Like there's obviously yeah. added added rooms over time. Like it's kind of a symbol for the growth of their relationship because it probably was just like a little cabin, you know, with just the two of them. And then as they had kids, they like, you know, they like started oh, stacking them on. And so then it showed the growth of their, you know, their family and, and stuff together. And I just thought that that was really, and it shows like, even if things are unconventional or a little wonky or or whatever it's like our their love is holding it up like i don't whatever like (laughs) so right yeah and it and it shows how um they buy into unconventionality because Mm -hmm. it's called the burrow which implies you know diving deeper into Mm -hmm. the earth and yet as it as time's gone on it's gone further and further up so they're aware of their own Mm -hmm. like weird idiosyncrasies and they embrace it and it's that embracing it that i i love i just i love that for them i love that for the whole family it's why i keep coming back to them is that you know everybody has their foibles but really if you're going to be stuck with a wizarding family for the rest of eternity Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be mad if it was the weasleys no yeah no they're great love the weasleys all right well i I, do you have any other thoughts i think i covered a lot of stuff no not, no, not really. I mean, I have plenty of other thoughts. Nothing that's relevant to this episode. <laughs> to this. Oh, man. Gosh, well, yeah, well, that was so much fun. Um, As far as like, we still don't know. It, I, I meant to say early on, Um, if I was a little bit echoey, it was because... <laughs> It's because my office is literally empty. There's nothing in it to like block echo-ness uh, because we're, I think I mentioned before, like we're in the process of renovating the house so we need to get out of the house. So I don't know when, you know, we'll be recording again. So this potentially could be one that we release and it might be a little bit afterwards. So we'll let you know. We'll obviously put updates out there as far as how things are going to be moving forward because... I don't know. And we were supposed to be out May 1st and we're still not out. And it's just, <laughs> it's just been a whole thing. So so we mentioned rubbing the lamp earlier. Yes. Megs is coming to you today from that room in the Cave of Wonders that's yes. empty of everything except the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's just... <laughs> so so yeah, if, if the sound is a little bit um, mm-hmm. weird today, that would be why. But yes. we hope anyway that uh normal service well i say normal service <laughs> we're, we're never normal like you'll still get mm-hmm. rick- wickety wackety thoughts all mm-hmm. the time um they just might be coming to you from different exotic locations yes who knows exactly so like always thank you so much for listening send us you know whatever your thoughts regarding these two like yeah. what you think especially back from when they were younger do you think that they did muggle you know magic tricks together or what are some of arthur's favorite muggle magic tricks what did molly invent that then the twins reappropriated like that's you know that's what i want to know so yeah so this is a lot of fun yeah and we will see you i'm not going to say next week i always say next week <laughs> you point out when that at the very we least we're by you weekly yeah <laughs> yeah well I'll, we'll see you in the next one which yes. uh will be soon so yes. look out for that and uh love you all a lot a lot a lot a lot <laughs> until next time bye bye <laughs> nice <laughs>
So now that you've finished enjoying that episode, I bet you're wondering what we're going to be talking about next time. Will it be a ship? Could it be a trope? What about a character-centric episode? Editing Megs, put the listeners out of their misery. Next time, we'll be focusing on... Draco Malfoy and Charlie Weasley. So come back to enjoy that at your earliest possible convenience. But, you know, preferably sooner rather than later. Because we do make it so you listen to it. And we hope you enjoy it. Remember your Gunkle Nathan's advice. Be kind to each other, manage your mischief, and we'll catch you in the next one soon.